everyone. Welcome to the True Path Podcast. I'm so glad you're joining us today. So today is session 11, and we're continuing our study in the book of Daniel. We'll be discussing chapter 6, verses 16 through 28 today. Daniel in the lion's den. Now, I dare say that most of us find lions to be pretty cool. I mean, there's a reason they're called the kings of the jungle. And why wouldn't they be? They are the second largest big cat in the world. They can run up to 50 miles per hour, can jump 12 feet in the air. They have a bite strength of up to 1,000 pounds per square inch. The zoo where my daughter's a zookeeper has a lion, and she says you can hear his roar echo across the entire zoo grounds. Their roar can be heard from five miles away. So it's no wonder why lions are symbols of power, strength, and ferocity. And while we all think lions are amazing and majestic, I don't think any of us would want to come face to face with one, not to mention many. Yet that's exactly where Daniel finds himself in today's passage. And the reason Daniel found himself in this position was through no fault of his own. He was basically set up by the other leaders of the Medo-Persian Empire. You see, they convinced King Darius to make a law prohibiting prayer to anyone but himself for 30 days. You see, they wanted to bring Daniel down because they were jealous of him, and they knew that he would never betray his God, even if it meant death. Daniel himself knew that if he violated the law by praying to God, it would mean an agonizing death in a pit of lions. But see, when Daniel weighed the value of staying true to his God against the value of his own life, loyalty to God wins every time. So let's read about Daniel's encounter with the lions in Daniel chapter 6, verses 16 through 23. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God whom you continually serve, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles, so that nothing in regard to Daniel could be changed. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he reached the den, he cried out in anguish to Daniel. Daniel, servant of the living God, the king said, has your God, whom you continually serve, been able to rescue you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke with the king. May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they haven't harmed me, for I was found innocent before him. And also before you, your majesty, I have done no harm. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to take Daniel out of the den. When Daniel was brought up from the den, he he was found to be unharmed, for he trusted in his God. Now, as you remember from the previous verses, Darius tried to prevent Daniel from being thrown into the lion's den. But as his advisors were quick quick to remind him in verse 15, that no edict the king established could ever be changed. So, although Darius sought to rescue Daniel, he was unable to, because he was bound by his own law. But, see, sometimes immediate rescue is not the answer. Sometimes rescue right away 
is not always what is best. Because let's just play this out for a minute. If Darius had been able to rescue Daniel right away, then there would have been no miracle performed by God in the lion's den because Daniel never went there. And there would have been no opportunity for Darius to make the claim to the whole world in verses 26 and 27 that God is the living and eternal God who rescues and delivers. And he wouldn't have issued a new decree that people must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel, giving the Jewish exiles in Persia the freedom to worship God without religious persecution. The account of God's rescue of Daniel from the lion's mouths would not have been passed on to future generations as a reminder of God's deliverance and faithfulness in times of need. You see, if Darius had been able to rescue Daniel, then would we even be glorifying God about it today? Probably not. You see, it was because God rescued Daniel in the lion's den and not before the lion's den that greater glory to God was brought about. Now, am I saying that God never chooses to spare us before we get to the lion's den? Not at all. But just don't be discouraged if he hasn't rescued you yet. It doesn't mean he won't. God is never late. He's working on something better for you. Wait for it. And incidentally, there's also a good lesson here about not allowing ourselves to be swayed by the majority. You see, Darius gave in to the will of all his advisors. They all came to him as a group, all in agreement that he should make this law prohibiting prayer. But just because a lot of people believe something doesn't make it a good idea. Because Darius went along with the group consensus, he is now stuck and miserable. So they threw Daniel into the lion's den which was most likely a pit with a small opening at the top. They even placed a stone over the mouth of the den, and the nobles and kings sealed it with their own signet rings. So it appears that God is making the point here that there is no way for Daniel to escape or be spared by human intervention. There are no last-minute pardons coming his way. The only way Daniel could be spared was through divine intervention. And Darius made a pretty telling statement in verse 16. He said, may your God, whom you continually serve, rescue you. You see, this is what a pagan king saw in Daniel, that Daniel was a man who was loyal to his God, so much so that he continually served him, not just when it was easy or served his best interest. And that Daniel's God was powerful enough to rescue him from a pit full of ravenous lions. Darius was so concerned for Daniel that he spent the night without diversions and without sleep. Historians say that King Darius was partial to women and alcohol, so the fact that he spent a sleepless night alone in his palace is really saying something. I read a quote that said, The best way to have a good night is to keep a good conscience. Maybe he realized he had been deceived by his nobles. Or maybe he really cared about Daniel. Because at first light the next morning, he hurried to the den. Now, why would he hurry if he knew Daniel was dead? So he must have thought there was a chance that he was still alive. 
but he cried out for him in anguish because he was doubtful. You see, his actions revealed hope, while his words portrayed doubt. And isn't that true of our culture today, constantly fluctuating between hope one minute and doubt the next, with no continuity or consistency? Just like it says in Ephesians 4.14, like little children blown around with every wind of doctrine by human cunning and deceit. But as followers of Jesus, that's not what characterizes us. For we know him in whom we have believed, and we are persuaded that he is able to guard that which we have committed unto him against that day. So we never have to doubt. With Jesus, there is always hope. So Darius cried out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you continually serve been able to rescue you? And Daniel responded with respect. May the king live forever, he said. You see, he had no bitterness or animosity toward the one who condemned him to death. And that was because of his close relationship with God. You see, God not only took away his condemnation, but he took away any residual bitterness or resentment. And then Daniel testified that God sent an angel and shut the lion's mouths. He also admitted his innocence before God, first and foremost, because that was of chief importance to him. You see, he measured his guilt and innocence against God's law, not humans. But he also admitted that he was innocent before Darius as well, making the point that it was the law itself that was flawed, not Daniel. So God shut the mouths of the lions. I wonder if Peter maybe had this in mind when he wrote 1 Peter 5.8. The devil is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. So that when we, like Daniel, place our faith and trust in God, we can trust him to shut the mouth of the lion trying to devour us. And one other thing that I think is particularly noteworthy, especially to me in my current stage of life, is the fact that Daniel was in his 80s when all this took place. His 80s. You see, God doesn't consider age as a criteria for being of use to him. There is no too young or too old to go through trials, and there is no too young or too old to do something great for him. And also notice, God didn't just lift Daniel out of the pit, but he came down with Daniel into the pit. And that makes all the difference, I think. Now, I know there will be some who will say, well, I'd rather not be in the pit at all. But that's not reality. I mean, no one is spared from everything all the time. And the fact that Jesus is with us in it brings comfort. But not only that. When Jesus walks with us, he brings everything he is along with him. He never comes empty-handed. His hands are full and they are open. So if you're looking for peace in your situation, Jesus is peace. If you're looking for the truth, Jesus is truth. And if you're looking for the right way, Jesus is the way. And we'll never know the difference that Jesus can make until we're in a place where we need him to. 
So the king was overjoyed to hear that Daniel was alive and saw that he was completely unharmed, for he trusted in his God. There's a quote that says, when faced with the when faced with the pressure of religious conformity in a foreign land, Daniel acted righteously and God delivered him, end quote. You see, his obedience to God came from his faith in God. He didn't know that he would survive this ordeal, but he did know that if he wasn't delivered in this life, then he would be in the life to come. And his faith and trust in God would have far-reaching effects. As one scholar puts it, the Jews returning from exile could identify with Daniel's plight and their faith would be strengthened. So although Daniel was spared, those who conspired against him to devise this evil plan weren't. Because in verse 24, it says, the king then gave the command and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the lion's den. They their children, and their wives. They had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. So this verse can be a little bit difficult to swallow, in my opinion. But the fact that the text mentions the lions overpowered them before they reached the bottom tells us that the reason Daniel was not eaten wasn't because the lions weren't hungry or because they weren't man-eaters. It was only through godly intervention that Daniel was saved. And this verse also reveals how vicious and cruel human beings and their laws are. I mean, the wives and children also killed with the guilty. But according to Persian law, the families of the guilty were also held accountable for their crimes. But Mosaic law forbids parents being put to death for their children and children being put to death for their parents. See Deuteronomy 24.16 and 2 Kings 14.6. And again, this may be a tough passage to accept. I mean, it was for me. And some people may read passages like this and say that the Old Testament is filled with violence. And so they dismiss the Old Testament altogether or view God as a violent God. But just because there are violent episodes contained in the Old Testament doesn't mean that God promotes it. The Bible recounts situations the way they actually happened and doesn't try to whitewash the truth. And yes, when Joshua and the Israelite army took control of the promised land, there was violence. But God was keeping his covenant promise to Abraham in Genesis 12 and 15 that he would make him into a great nation not to mention getting rid of false religions and idolatry. You see, God was being merciful when he gave human beings free will, the right to choose for ourselves who or what we would follow. And the Bible shows the unvarnished truth of what happens to people who choose, the path of evil or the path of godliness. You see, the Bible not only shows us what to do, but is filled with cautionary tales of how not to live. And King Darius is a perfect example of that. He chose a path of life filled with pride, idolatry, and self-importance. And as we all know, those who choose evil often hurt innocent people as a result. Some people make bad choices that hurt innocent people. 
And this scene revealed what a king who didn't follow God, who allowed his pride to get the best of him, was capable of. Judgments that were overly harsh, government overreach, and overkill in the truest form of the word. And one more point before moving on. The reason that I'm kind of locked into this verse, verse 24, is because some people try to hold God responsible for all the evil in the world. Innocent people are suffering and dying, and God doesn't stop it. Therefore, he is to blame. But that is not on God. That is on humanity. People were given the power by God to choose, and we chose to go our own way. And this broken, dying world is a result of that. But thanks be to God that he created a plan to redeem humanity from brokenness and death by offering himself, his own son, as a sacrifice for our sinful selves. He gives us all another chance to break the chains of brokenness, to break the chains of evil. And in verses 25 through 28, we read, Then King Darius wrote to those of every people, nation, and language who live on the whole earth, May your prosperity abound. I issue a decree that in all my royal dominion, people must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his dominion has no end. He rescues and delivers. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. For he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So Daniel's faithfulness to God and God's deliverance of Daniel caused King Darius to issue a new decree, guaranteeing the freedom to worship God openly. Now this is the second king in the second kingdom that has extolled the virtues and greatness of the God of the universe, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon and now King Darius of the Medes and Persians. So I'd like to close today by reading Romans 8.18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed in us. So there's a purpose in suffering. Hopefully this passage worked that out. And the glory that can be brought to the Lord far outweighs the suffering. Daniel got that. And in all reality, the purpose of life is glorifying God. Now you might think, well, wait a minute. What about my family? What about my children and friends? What about my work? But see, that's the thing. You can glorify God in how you raise your children. You can glorify God in how you love your spouse the kind of friend that you are. You can glorify God in the kind of worker that you are. Because it's in glorifying God through faithfulness and obedience that we find true meaning and true purpose, true fulfillment, and true joy. So the challenge is to approach difficulty with a different perspective this week. Rather than looking and praying for a way out of it, maybe look for meaning and purpose from God in it. Thank you so much for joining me today. God bless you.